Alchemist friends, welcome back to the most exciting time of the year on the film Alchemist. The first uh, entry in our 31-day October mega marathon. We, of course, are the podcast that takes the movies we love, breaks them apart, to find out what gives them their magic, dirty, goopy sex magic. Uh, <laughs> I'm your host, Jess Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and guy who really needs a cleaner mattress. <laughs> Alex Dandino. All right. Oh, before, shit, that got me. before we just leap off the edge into the infinite dark abyss of the October Horror Mega Marathon, a little business, people. It's official. We're on Patreon. That's right. Patreon.com slash Film Alchemist Pod. If you guys uh, like the show, and we hope you do, we would appreciate if you can come over to Patreon and join uh, join the club. Support the show. It's the best way to support the show. It's the best way to make the show exactly what you want it to be. So our patrons actually got to vote on uh, three, three of the movies this month are from Patreon. We have some exclusives, right? Our patrons will be selecting two exclusive episodes. So if you want to have the full 31 days, right? We also have our feature-length commentary that this month, very excitingly, will be 13 ghosts. So we have so much awesome shit this month in particular. The best time of the year to join up over on Patreon. Uh, we, we thank you so much, those of you who do. Thank you for those of you who are about to as well. The YouTube, uh, subscribe, Film Alchemist. The email, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. We're on all the socials you're on. We would appreciate if you guys would uh, toss us a follow and go ahead and share uh, what we're doing over there, man. We want to get as many people into the mega marathon as possible every year. All right. Enough of that business. Uh, for those of you who are fans of the show, we like to start our October off every year. We, we deep dive some franchises, right? So now that we're here in October, we are beginning our deep dive into the Hellraiser franchise. The second franchise we'll be covering uh, in totality right after will be Wishmaster. So for those of you who follow the show, you will know that uh, a patron as a birthday gift to yours truly uh, asked us to do a double feature of two of my favorite movies ever, right? The Wobbly H double feature, Highlander and Hellraiser. So if you want to go back and hear the real start of this franchise deep dive uh that is on our catalog already we talked about hellraiser today we are beginning with hellraiser 2 hellbound or hellbound hellraiser 2 hellbound, they're hellraiser getting real two. yeah real flippant with the franchise real chintzy tagging. with the titles here um <laughs> this movie fucking rules this is an amazing horror movie sequel i think if not for one tragic decision this movie made I think there's a real case that this could have been a better movie than Hellraiser 1. Um, this is the great sequel that not only builds upon what the first one does, it really finds its own vibe, um, really explores the world of the franchise uh, in a really fun way. And again, as we'll get into later, I think there is a a little weak point, a little exposed nipple that a hook can get in and kind of keep it just from being better than Hellraiser 1. But a fantastic sequel, nonetheless, to start off our 31 days, 31 pods, October Horror Mega Marathon. So, Alex, why don't you kick us off with your opening thoughts on Hellbound, Hellraiser 2? Yeah, um, other than the first Hellraiser, I have never ventured to watch the others. Um, oh, you went for some traits. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like, it's one of those things where I'm like, this feels like... Actually, and it's funny, like, I realized, too, I didn't think about this before, but choosing this and Wishmaster's like, man, we got a real trinkets theme going for uh, <laughs> for October this year. Yeah. Don't touch old trinkets. Don't touch That's old trinkets, guys. <laughs> Leave them alone. Um, <laughs> literally, I was watching, I think I was in the middle of watching number four, and I was like, hey, wait a second. Because we watched, like, I think I watched three today, and I was just like, I it would make for a fantastic crossover movie, right? Yeah. The fucking Wishmaster versus Hellraiser. Anywho. I watched two. <laughs> yeah. So I watched two through four today and I was just like, boy, we have a real trinket thing going on this year. Um, yeah. I. Yeah. I I really enjoyed it, actually. I thought. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, there, there, I do have my own. I have my own picadillos, I think. Um, I, I, I like. I like um, 
movies that do this, this is the kind of thing that does I thought I'd be a little pissed to have like an explanation of some of these cinnabiteness. Mm-hmm. Um but I wasn't. I actually liked it a lot. I thought it was kind of interesting. Um again, it, we're just, you know, it's we're opening a puzzle box and going in and seeing what kinds of delights the flesh will bring. I I uh <laughs> man People are terrible. Like, I think that's really, like, what's going on. And this is the thing that keeps yeah. coming back with the, the Hellraiser movies. So I'm just like, what's the matter with people? Like, just yeah. put your put your freak, put, let your freak flag fly. Like, put your shit out on front you don't street. Have a, you don't have a bonatorium in your house? That's that's strange on you. I mean, I... You, I, old, I, you old fucking prude? Uh, it's such a strange thing. But, yeah, I like, I mean, Hellbound is a really... Hellbound's, like, it, it's not an exact... It's not an exact duplicate, obviously, but I no, do not like, even close, actually. But yeah. what and because like we'll get into that in others. Um, but what I do love is that Hellbound, Hellbound does the thing sequels need to do, which is address what's happened in the previous movie and not just come. Mm-hmm. Well, glad that's over. Next story. Like I, I like that we're kind of like <laughs> continuing the story. This is actually where I want to start though, because I think one of the things we have to address right up front with Hellbound, right? Mm-hmm. It's such a weird mix to me because I like that the movie and this is something that, you know, nowadays is very commonplace to all of us. Right. Right. Fucking bickering about canon and franchises and whatever. So the movie starts with our intro to human pinhead. Right. We'll talk about that a little later. Right. Right. Um, But what that even does. Right. Is it shows us a different way that the box is affecting the world. Mm -hmm. When, When human pinhead. Right. This fucking, you know, doofus looking sales dork or whatever right no, i know he's no, a soldier he's, but yeah he's a military officer he's a soldier but he looks like a guy who's like hey i'm from true greens i just saw bugs in your he's tree. A mili- like, get the he, fuck out of here i mean he's a military officer sitting in the middle of a room by himself yeah. i'm like clearly he this guy looks like a doofus right he looks like when you're like no solicitation you slam the door on his face he goes to his vantage just tweaking his nipples neither I here like, nor there i like how pinhead <laughs> is willie lomax all of a sudden yeah he's like where are the fucking leads death of a peahead <laughs> Yeah. And it's like hooks in the nips are for closer. Shut the fuck up. No, but he <laughs> he, uh, he opens the box, right? And the box opens differently and affects the space around him differently, yeah. right? It kind of opens. The hooks comes out. We see him get his, his fucking pet or whatever. Mm-hmm. But just that, right? Even that is a moment that shows us that why were no Cenobites sent after him, right? So yeah. it, it makes us get this feeling that he was somehow important and became this like ultra powerful deity right he is no longer this eternal creature that you kind of assume in the first one right the angel to some demon to others right but not only that this movie starts with a flashback of all the stuff we just saw in part one and then proceeds to not line those fucking stories up at all for example right julia's mattress uh they're like julia died on the mattress you gotta burn the mattress she can come back Okay, well, in the first one we saw Frank came back. Frank didn't die in the fucking, uh, you know, philanderer's attic, right? <laughs> Someone just bled there and he decided to come back, right? right? Yeah. A place he had connection to, whatever, sure, neither sure. here nor there. He comes back uh, more in a skeletal form, like, like a primordial ooze, right? Julia comes back pretty fully formed. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw in the first movie she didn't die on that fucking mattress. That was her dad who was on that mattress, right? right? We see the fucking footage from the first one. Um just the whole layout of hell and like Julia coming back and she's like, now I work for these motherfuckers. I'm the, the evil queen of the fairy tale. Right. So I, I would like to s- start with you here. Cause I, I love that this movie just goes its own way. Right. I think sequels should not be afraid to go in a different direction. We've already seen the Agreed. first story. Why do you think they show so many flashbacks in this movie? And so brazenly, just break continuity. I think the reason to do that is because, and again, I'm saying this as someone who watched three of these today. (laughs) I actually feel like it is the setup for the times that we go back in other movies, because Mm. here's the thing. If you don't have a precedent after the first movie to do that, doing it in like, say the fourth movie, which is a very interesting sort of time jumpy thing. Um, 
if you don't have any sort of precedent for it, it doesn't make sense. I think from like a logistics perspective, it was, I think this was eighties. I think this was the eighties still mm-hmm. was Hellraiser two in the eighties. I think so. I think part three was 92 88, or 94. That's what it was. 88. Yeah. So we're still in the eighties and there is that rationale for like, Oh, maybe somebody didn't see the first one. So like from a logistics standpoint, it makes sense to like give you the four one one. Now, Breaking continuity, what I like to imagine is that because this one, while, you know, still bloody and still lots of cool gore and a lot of fun stuff, and I got to tell you, like, the creature work in this, like, the – Julia's, like, body, so cool. Mm. Like, I, I feel mean, like the, the prosthetics, prosthetics and effects, like, took a big step up in this one. Yeah, like, the prosthetics of the bodies are just fucking unbelievable. Like, that is truly some cool shit. Yeah. But I think – the the thing that I liked and the thing that I kind of latched onto, at least I assumed that this is what I was kind of trying to get at, was this psychic residue. That's how I'd probably put it. Like, yes, Julia's presence is so strong because of mm-hmm. what she had been through. Not necessarily like you know what she had tried to put herself through in the first round, like, mm-hmm. but that psychic residue is so strong that it lives. It lives and breathes and whatever it's touched, so yeah. to speak. I, at least that's how I yeah. put it. Well, I just like even something, right? Like we see a police officer bumbling around the house that in the last one and in this one in flashback, we see collapsing, right? We saw a dragon come out of the ruins of that house. Right. Um, yet all of a sudden the house is still there and standing, right? Mm-hmm. So it adds this level of, as Kirsty saying in the place, right? Some fairy tales come true. Right. And so then you start drawing this line at the start, right? Well, she's in the Canard Institute. Mm-hmm. Did she fucking imagine some of this, right? Right. So I think it kind of sets it in this fun place. And again, I think all the choices they made, barring one huge one, work so well. I'm not saying they shouldn't have changed it. I just think it's strange to show the flashback of, you know, Butterball getting crushed by a fucking door frame. <laughs> And then see Barney Fife fucking shooting Julia's, you know, fucking corpse warehouse up. Neither here nor there, right? Um, I think what you hit on is what I really love about this movie, right? Is um, it's kind of psychic residue, right? That even though you defeat the box, Kirsty clearly is still attached to this thing, right? She's receiving the message from hell, right? Help me, I'm in hell. Right. Um, There's still a connection to this world. And what we see in the whole movie, right? Whether it's Julia or the doctor or his fucking doctor's assistant who's just very fucking brazen in his planning um all these people right there is this this idea at the core of this movie right that everyone is searching for something more right right? there needs to be something that makes all of this meaningful sure and and i like the introduction of this kind of labyrinth theme right um and once anyone gets a whiff of this right kyle the the fucking you know dipstick Doctor number two is a great example, right? Yeah. When he sees that mattress come alive and eat that poor bastard, mm-hmm. he should just be like, I quit. I quit. And I'm going to go doctor a town over. Right. He cannot help himself. When Kirsty's like, I have to go. Again, she's also drawn back into this fight. Could easily just run away. She fucking cheated hell once. She won't run. Right. Right. She under the guise of I want to help my father. But really, I think this movie's constantly telling us, whether it's the doctors or her or whatever, once you get a taste, no matter how fucking scary it is, how could you possibly just go back to nine to five? And I I think this this movie explores it beautifully. Yeah, I actually thought about that, too, while watching this one is it's almost like. It's almost like the lament configuration is Mm -hmm. curiosity incarnate. Like it's such like a strangely, it's such like a strangely named piece of relic. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm, you know, again, I'm just spitballing. I've only ever seen one of these, but to me, it's one of those things where like, it's curiosity that never goes away. Like you've now seen this other side. And I think that's kind of like, what's interesting about particularly movies like this. And I think that's what makes my, it's funny, my dad, my parents were here this weekend, and my parents were in town this week, and um, I told my dad, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm watching it, we're watching it. He's like, what are you guys doing for October? Because for some reason, my parents do listen to the show. I don't, like, like <laughs> I think they've maybe seen, like, four of the movies that we've watched. <laughs> but we watched, uh, my mom was really into it, 
um, Donna D was really into watching In Search of Darkness, that uh, Shutter documentary about horror films in the eighties. I was talking with my dad about Hellraiser. I was like, "Yeah, we're doing Hellraiser this year as the one of the like one of the main curations, like one of the main feed ones." And he's like, "How do you watch movies like that?" And it doesn't just like take a little piece of your soul. And like, I made some like flippant joke about like, "Listen, it's not about hell, all right? The name is a misnomer. These are just travelers." <laughs> It's about getting nut, Pat. Yeah. It's about getting nut. These are travelers <laughs> on their way to ultimate pleasures. So They're explorers, Pat. Right. So, again, like... They're my, just like Fifel. They're the exact same <laughs> as Fifel. This is my... Just with a little more carnage. Again, I think I've spoken about my parents plenty of times on this pod for everyone to know this is not my parents type of flick. But... Right. In talking to them, though, I thought more about this, and I'm like, it really isn't... Yeah, like, there's this obvious like horror gore element to it there is this like i wouldn't say shade of torture porn because there is purpose to it but there's parts of that kind of shit in there but to me the ultimate crux of the argument as to like why i would ever why you would watch a why you would watch a hellraiser movie you know because my you know i I get it you know my wife doesn't watch them with me i watch them alone why would you Mm -hmm. watch it because it's the same reason these people keep coming back to the fucking puzzle box there is ultimate curiosity of what's coming like you have no idea even if you've seen it before it's curiosity and again this this one absolutely crushes the most important aspect of a good hellraiser story right right um there's that great scene when uh they get the puzzle girl right and she starts unlocking the box yeah the Cenobites come in. It's awesome. Fucking, you know, the Doc and Julie are doing their weird, long, like, 1930s movie smooches yeah. behind the submarine window. It, yeah, it's very Fred and Astaire. Pinhead and the Cenobites come out, and they just, you know, hands do not call us, desire does. Almost just saying, fuck the box. Yeah. The box is a, a fucking lighthouse in a storm mm-hmm. drawing us in. But that the hell, the gateway to hell, we're the puzzle, right? There's yeah. that great, it's an interesting that great moment, too. Yeah. Yeah, well, they talk about, right, you know, oh, she has had so much chaos, she does the puzzles to put things in order. Right, right. And Kirstie goes, or to open doors, right? That The more you look for order and whatever, the more truthful you are at solving the puzzle of yourself, there's a gateway to, you know, ultimate plesias, you know, yes. pain to some, you know, divine to others, whatever. And this this movie really does a wonderful job, again, of keeping it in that, that human darkness, right? The scariest scene in the movie by fucking country mile is when the doctor goes to the basement to pick out his victim. Yeah. And we just watch these poor fucking bastards. And there it's almost as if Shenard is going down and he is the pinhead of his own little universe. Totally. Right? Like when we see him in the first surgery, there's like tendons splayed out. He's operating. The person's still yeah. awake. That looks like when pinhead it hooks looks someone, like a right? straight up pinhead situation exactly and when he goes down and he just opens doors and we're like there are just human beings who something breaks in them right whether it's mental whatever right i don't understand the science of these things at all right but you you've seen and read about you know people who are just broken and you watch that guy who's just get them off of me all day every day all he thinks is that his body is being smothered by maggots and worms and whatever and he can find no solace ever he is in his own hell. Right. And Shenard drags him out and gives him... And this, this is the fucking thing, right? Because Shenard is a great character at the start of the movie specifically. Because um, he could just grab that dude, put him on the mattress, and put him out of his misery, right? With a, a nice throat slice. Right. He doesn't. He hands him a razor and sits and watches what, what looks like a not you know steely resolve right this man just have at himself because of this fairy tale he right. thinks might happen and that that extra just fucking nefariousness seeps into every little corner of this movie and that's why i think it's so good yeah i mean that to me is what makes that's what makes not curiosity is not a dangerous thing i think that's like a really important thing about what we see in this movie particularly because like <laughs> it's like my favorite part of the movie is when Kirsty's sitting there and <laughs> Pinhead's like, God damn it. We want your flesh. 
You can't ask any more questions. I'm sick and tired of this. You're delaying. Like, he literally, like, oh my God, Kirsty, all you do is bicker. Oh, oh my God, Kirsty, fucking put a cork in it. I nest. We he just, eat. like, elbows the other we center bites. Like, I fish. guess I found my hell. Yeah, like, this is my hell, bartering with Kirsty. I, I legitimately <laughs> thought that was a really, really funny part of the movie. Like, I know it's not supposed to be, but it is hilarious that literally, like, Pinhead and these other guys, like, yeah. oh my God, this bitch again. Hey, listen, yeah. you've asked this question. You summoned us once. Yeah. You said you didn't know what it was. You summoned us twice. You said, I didn't touch the box. And yet here no, you fucking are. He even are. goes, he's like, if you fucking fool us again, your suffering will be legendary in hell. Even in hell. It <laughs> makes sense because by the end of the movie, they're essentially telling us that Penhead is just like the Dwight Schrute of hell. Right? He's just <laughs> yeah, like yeah. another middle manager, right? He's not this like fucking hell priest. He's the whatever. assistant to the regional manager, which yeah. is this like <laughs> giant obelisk. Too. Yeah, and he's just like, oh, God, Jim and his pranks. You know, oh, Kirsty, stop putting Kirstie, my hell stapler Kirstie, in jello. Quit, quit putting my awesome whips and chains yeah. in jello. He's just like, damn, but damn, yeah. I hate getting summoned. It is this, like, but I do like that. <laughs> but I really do like that curiosity is not treated as this, like, curse. Because, like, a lot of the times in movies. I, I do not agree with that, though. Really? Okay, so who's the most curious in the movie? Shenard? Pinhead. Not good. Right, Penhead? Not good. Uh, fucking dipshit Kyle? Real not good. I'm really not, not good. I'm not saying that they are not... Puzzle Girl? Not good. I'm not saying they're not good. I'm saying that... Curious, what I, what I think is interesting about Hellraiser as a franchise, but particularly this one, is that curiosity is not so much a curse as it is just... It is the... It is the way in which you open your open yourself up to things. Like, mm-hmm. I like that that ambivalence is what makes, I think, a movie like this, which, yeah, can, as my father would say, put some sort of, doesn't it take a little piece of you? It's what makes it a little more tolerable if you do, you know, if you have an issue with these kinds of things. If you're watching Hellraiser and you have any sort of, like, picadillos about that kind of thing, don't watch Hellraiser. Like, you're weird. Um <laughs> But to me, what makes it not that and not like as quote unquote soul crushing, I'd Mm -hmm. say, is that the movies themselves are not about, they're not this like, when they say hell, like I I do like the concept of like hell not necessarily being hell and that kind of thing. Like there's not this overarching Judeo-Christian notion of what it really is. What I like is that there's much more science behind it in a way like it's not science but it is this like method it's it's the methodology you'd use to avoid like explaining the religion you just say it is just what it is it is Mm -hmm. it is a world beyond and i yeah i think that's what makes that's what makes the like latter half this like once the puzzle box is open and they go through that's what makes a lot of the gags like when they're going through like again i I'm not no I'm not used to these. I have not watched these movies before. I'm not going to lie to you. I rolled my eyes when I was like Funhouse, fucking serious. Jesus, come on guys. Like <laughs> we literally have a dude with a goddamn we have a lady with her goddamn neck wide open and all you can all we're doing is a fucking Funhouse. I'm like let's see what this is. And it works. But see, I think even that though, right? Cuz Puzzle Girl goes in and what is hell showing her? A refre- a reflection of her mother like please help Absolutely. this girl. Right. It's so personal. Right. Then we get like a fucking clown and whatever. Clown like, who's just again. Is that the carnage that caused her the puzzle obsession that actually, led her mom to get fucking murked by the first thing I don't I, know. The first thing I saw was the juggler. I was like, that guy's only juggling two things. Oh, it's eyeballs. I'm dumb. Never mind. Got it. Yeah. Actually, so I like, don't know. Like the dad we never meet got his eyes ripped out by the clown or was the clown. And then she's like, you know what? Just give me a thousand piece, Thomas Kincaid. I'm out. <laughs> that was the. The literal thought I had when they showed that guy like who's just juggling eyeballs, I was like, "Is this guy just juggling two balls? Could they not find an actual? Those are eyeballs, aren't they? Like, ah, oh, they are. Okay, great. <laughs> They're like, get over here, fucking PA. You're a juggling clown now. That's all no, I but, thought. <laughs> but th- I like. I think one of the best scenes in the movie, right, is when Kyle fucking breaks into the office and he just sees all the Shenard shit and he just goes, weird. <laughs> fucking weird fucking weird and i was like because this was an uncurious man this was a guy who knew what's up and then he saw some shit and all of a sudden now he can't run away this is a guy who would run away right, right. this is not a guy who's looking to dig much deeper now he's fucking caught right and this leads us to my personal favorite 
element of the movie, right? The same as the first one. The best part about this movie is Julia. Yeah. And seeing Julia reemerge, and again, her fucking writhing out of that so fucking cool. mattress so is fucking cool. awesome. And she eats the back of the guy's brains oh out. Oh, my God, dude. But even just that that couple moments of intro, right? Mm-hmm. This, this segment of the film has, like, this awesome kind of Bride of Frankenstein vibe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, But there's just this... This wonderful kind of, she comes out, right? And she's like, don't be afraid of me. And she runs up and immediately we see that Julia has transformed from this housewife who got the brakes beat off and is like, now I'm going to go down this path of evil, right? Now she is something so much more. Right. And watching her control fucking Dr. Shenard, right? Like as the chaos is going on in his fucking like dapper suit or whatever, he gets that one streak of blood on his face. Right, right. You can see that he's still fucking scared. Yeah, he still does totally. not know. He has that moment that I think is very natural, even for who's obviously a freaky boy, Dr. Shenard, right? He's got a thing. He just does the, you know, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah. And I, then all of a sudden, right, like he starts getting into this and she's selling it. You know, oh, uh, I'm cold. Let me smoke your cig, right? Let me, like, leave a little touch of blood on your fingers that he, like, wipes off, right? We see he's still kind of nervous. By the time she puts on that white suit, he's like, yes. That, by the way, costuming Come on, A+, plus, right? That, that was great. That empty white space with, like, her handprint on the wall and so her blood cool. on the fucking white suit. This, I mean, it's just fucking marvelous. Yeah. Right? But once he wraps her, by the time he's wrapping her up, mm-hmm. you can see now his face is like, I'm all the fucking way in. Yeah. Right? And I, I think that watching Julia come back and kind of reassert herself is just fucking wonderful. I do have to ask you, how the fuck did Dr. Shenard get that fucking meat locker full of attractive young ladies for Julia to drain in what couldn't have been more than 12 hours, <laughs> right? Kyle breaks in at like eight at night, right? On his way home from work, sees Julia emerge. Right. He goes back and gets Kirsty. Let's say they make it back by like noon the next day. Right. It's like 12 hours when they cut up to that attic and she like eats the girl's skin right now. I need skin. Right. Um, there's like 10 buxom young ladies, like just husk of them hanging up there. So my theory with the whole movie is that Dr. Shenard is just this small dick energy, like fucking freaky boy. And so he's probably just calls like his, his like, you know, handler. And he's like, madam, send the squad. Daddy needs his rocks off. And he probably just has all of these fucking call girls on on speed dial. I... They send the whole gang, and then they they fucking. I mean, that's like a fucking overnight turnaround to get like fifteen. I think I assumed something far more nefarious, which is that he's this kind of <laughs> guy who just brings in like like the patients in the hospital. I'm assuming he's like she's beautiful. Like he's probably like a real creep in that regard. So his thing is. Oh, as long as I have hot patients, I can deal with all this, and then I can like torture these the poor bastards below. Yeah, transporting ten to fifteen people who are extremely not well, probably way harder than being like, "Hey, uh, send the you know, daddy's gonna buy a yacht party over." <laughs> you know what I mean? I think he probably just like has these hookers on you, speed yeah, dial you, all the so time. So you're thinking he just like cleared out an entire an entire. I brothel. think he calls up pros, right? Because right. I think he's probably one of these guys. He's hard to be in a relationship with, right? I okay. think the reason he's always looking for ultimate pleasure is because right. he's not fulfilled in his own body. So you whatever. think he called Bordello of Blood and was like, "Bring them all." Is that what's going on? Another good crossover universe for Hellraiser. <laughs> no, I, I think he just calls like a normal bordello. I don't, I don't know how the system works, but I was like, dude, that he had those motherfuckers there within like four hours. Right. Then he's got to chain them up. She's got to drink them. Sure. Right. She's got to regrow some fucking skin, put on a new evening gown. Right. Right. Like this is a lot of work. It this takes a lot time. Of fucking work. It takes time. Yeah, and they did that shit fast. I'd say but, he's probably emptying out a brothel, 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 or a sorority, maybe. No, this this reeked of like, it's Doctor Shenard again, right? <laughs> Put on your extra padded pants, it's Doctor Shenard. Right, this is like Patrick Bateman. Like this is like, yeah, yeah. we all we all know this guy's problems. Oh, uh, great, a Shenard party, awesome. Yeah. We can hear him talk about exploring while he humps us for ten seconds and cries in the corner. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
I think that guy has him on speed dial. But this leads to one of my other favorite scenes where Kyle like sneaks into the room full of dead, probably pros, and just goes, Yes, it is awful. And like for no- like just nothing. He's giving so little to the universe that Julia just fucking does the old uh you know, reverse roadhouse and punches yeah. her hand in the back of his head and yep. just drinks him. Yep. And it's just like, come on. Like, come it's on, too. It's Kyle. so. You're just like, Kyle, come on, man. You're better than this. <laughs> I I actually, okay, I want to I want to shift over to, um, so like, Chenard, mm-hmm. Canard, however you want to say it. I don't even know at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, he gets brought in, you know, he's either in the puzzle box realm and he ends up um, she like delivers him to be a, become a Cenobite, basically. Yeah. What What is his Cenobite name? Because like my, the, I was like mm. thinking Piano Man because of the piano wire. No, no. He's he's Doctor Dickhead PhD. Got like, it. Okay. A thousand. Everything about him, and this goes back to my my hooker theory too. Is this guy is just presenting small dick energy? Yeah. His. His head is essentially his, his, the tip of a his giant. His head's phallus. the tip of a giant penis. Yep. From his hand, he makes Tiny, more phallic like monsters. Really long little schlong penises. Yeah. Everything about him. All right. Let's just do this now. Yeah. Doctor Chenard is, you know, demonic dickhead PhD. Is one of the all-time biggest missteps in a horror movie that I love. Okay. He, the character, looks like shit. The idea of the character is shit, right? He just floats around attached to a dick. Like, he's like Spider-Man when he's in the suburbs, and it's like, what's he attaching webs to? Like, how long is that fucking dick? Why do you need Dr. Dickhead if you can just reach a phallus out that long? He sucks so out loud, right? He comes into the room, and he's like, the doctor's in. He just essentially is doing Arnold as Mr. Freeze lines, the doctor says it's time to take a pill. Said the pills are pain. And then as he does it, he just goes, oh, and he does this weird like opera voice. It's very. It sucks. I mean, the claymation <laughs> is fun sometimes, yeah. right? Like when the finger comes out. Some yeah, of that cool. shit is cool. The character design is fucking trash. I'll tell you this. It's so yeah. bad. The character design is not my favorite. I, I liked seeing the like. I was curious why Ju- I was curious why Julia wouldn't want to be a Cenobite. That was interesting to me. Okay, we'll we'll kind of take this a step at a time, right? Yeah. Doctor Shenard but- is the Julia of this movie, right? Sure. The explorer who knows there's something more and is kind of dragged into it by someone else, right? And kind of slowly peels back their inner monster. I like that section of the film. Him is the new fucking Michael Scott of the Labyrinth. <laughs> Fucking sucks. And I'll give my number one example, right? He comes in and there's all these, you know, people in the beds doing puzzle boxes. It's a cool scene. Yeah. Right? They got little hooks in him. He comes in and just starts, like, having Adam and, you know, doing his fucking bravado. I don't know. You know, he's like, all of a sudden he just busts into Carmen as he's shooting dicks at people. Yeah. Um, it's very, like, very specific. That's, that's weird. A little weird. Kirsty walks out of the room with him and walks right into the fucking chain room with Pinhead and the Cenobites. And you're like, you just gave me photographic evidence within one second. One room sucks and has terrible corny catchphrases. The other room is fucking awesome. The other room gave us the greatest VHS cover of all time that made us want to do this fucking ride. And then the doctor, when he like fucking floats in, right? He looks like a fucking, you know, like that old cartoon gummy bears where they drink the liquid yeah, and like yeah. bouncing, like, bouncing around. Yeah, it looks like a fucking overstuffed teddy in a claw game at like a fucking Chuck E. Cheese. He walks in and he's just like, ah, right. And it's like, ugh. And now the other Cenobites are scared and they just get fucking waxed like it's Alien versus Predator. It's yeah, it's such a bad, bad choice. I mean, this is the thing. It leads to one of my favorite shots, right? Which is we see that um the Chatterface guy. Yeah. That that was actually a little boy. Right. So you're like, what kind of fricky ass Jeffrey Dahmer deviant was this little boy? That he's out there like, I've already peeled the nipples off of 15 puppies, and now I found this box. And, oh, God, no. It, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I mean, that shot was worth it. But I do you agree with me? I think if they had not done Dr. Chenard as a fucking dick face, and they had just let Julia be, I am the new fucking fairy tale. I'm the evil queen of this realm. Right. And just let it be Julia. I think this movie overtakes Hellraiser. I think it's a better movie 
if you take out this fucking nonsense monster at the end. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I fully agree. I think thematically it's just sort of like you're just tacking on, like, oh, cool, effect stuff. You're like, yeah, great, why, you know. Pay the effects team, you know? This is the other thing. If you want to do that, the fight has to be cooler than that. Yeah, the fight's not good. I think the the main issue I came back, the main issue I came up with was I really like how it ends between Kirsty and the mute girl and Julia where, like, she gets fucking, you know, that skin suit just like, oh, that was a cool effect. I was like, oh, fun. That's awesome. That was awesome. And then blow up doll Julia fucking like, down <laughs> That was hundred percent cool. like a fucking twenty dollars. Just like yeah, they literally just like covered a mannequin and goop and like yeah. throw it. I was like, you're not even gonna put hands and feet on that fucking blow yeah. up doll before you blow it down. Now, but that that's so cool. let me let me let me roll this into something else. I want your opinion on because you actually talked about this up top. Walk me through what you like about revealing Penhead's humanity. Right, the backstory of the Cenobites were sure. once human, and Kirsty trying to leverage that against them. What about that worked for you? Because I've never been fully sold on this bit. I think because. I think because it's because look, originally I it took me a while to get there <laughs> again, watching the first one, watching the, or watching the second one, watching the third one and the fourth one. But I thought more about it because at first I was like, not I'm like, why do I care that this was a real guy? You know, it's just kind of mm. stupid. But I think the deeper it got, the more I reason the reason I really liked it was because when you not necessarily give a character like that humanity, but like mm-hmm. you give Pinhead and all the Cenobites a reason to be. Because to me, when they're just those like anti you know, those anti life antithetical beings to like whatever, you know, true whatever happiness is mm-hmm. even though it is pleasure that they're seeking so to speak when you have something like that it's omnipotent like there's no way you're like all you're doing is literally like when you're making a movie about this kind of thing and it's literally a puzzle box that unlocks the door to this place if you just have these omnipotent characters who have absolutely no flaws whatsoever other than just like man we really wanted to bang out a lot and <laughs> We're now doing nipple clamps. God, just even orgies weren't enough for us, man. Right. We had to go like, an extra mile. So once you start adding this other element of like, oh, the fatal flaw is that they're human. <laughs> like, that's what makes them less powerful right. is being human. Like, humans are the most frail beings in the universe. So for us, like, to just be these, like, horrible meat sacks, and then for the people who are literally not governing, but, like, opening us up to this form of this... this mm-hmm a variety of torturous delights. Yeah. That is what I think gives you the runway to do more sequels. Cause like if, if they hadn't done it, think about this. If they hadn't done this, who the fuck needs to see another one of these? Like, cause then it's just Me. the same thing over and over. All again. of them. No, but like, I, I mean, I think like Friday the 13th is too, for the most, I, I think sure. Friday the 13th, same thing. But like, I also don't love watching all the Friday the 13th movies because I get it after like, yeah, I get it after no, I, three. Again, you know? I, I think it's an it's an interesting thing to explore. I think what it does is it 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 just kind of trips my brain up, right? Because sure. now I have all these fucking questions. Mm-hmm. Where were the Cenobites before? I mean, you know, what is pinhead, the actual uh, True Green's Pinhead? Right, right to come get him. Why right. does he get a jump to the top of the rank? Well, what's the puzzle box? Like, is he the first one out the gate? Like, clearly not, but th- this is what I'm saying, right? There's all these other questions. And Pinhead is himself, right? The thing that was so wonderful about the character is he is just this fucking visual nightmare yeah. of this torturous possibilities of this realm. And they kind of show up as an arbitrary, you called us here, let's see where it goes, right? And then when you see Leviathan, right, as this kind of god oracle in the middle of this fucking, yeah. you know, M.C. Escher painting, right? Mm-hmm. You you get the sense that the puzzle we're all trying to figure out in Hellraiser 1 and 2, it feels like, is that there really is nothing beyond the flesh, right? Right, right. And that the more we figure out that, you know, God is dead in us and there's no joy and we can't fuck enough and, you know, our family's not enough, when you get past that, it is just this, well, you boil it down to these kind of base physical pains and sensations right these neurological 
anomalies, whatever, right? Uh-huh. I think when you leave Pinhead as this kind of arbitrary judge who just shows up to remind us, the audience, that a person has unlocked the darkness within, I think it gives him just this extra power, right? The more I know about Pinhead, I don't know that it was wildly effective in this movie. And maybe if it wasn't like he just got his throat sliced to Dr. Dingus, like it would work better. I feel like it, it didn't weaponize it. I mean, and they actually bring it back in part three a little bit, which we'll get to. Yeah, yeah. But I just felt like, here's an example, right? So we do that, and I'm like, I don't know what that does for me. Then you cut to the fucking cracked mirror version of Julia and Frank's meeting again. That does everything for me. Right? Julia going back and Frank trying to run his same... You know, he's got this fucking... Frank's hell, apparently, is a... Like, LED beds with fucking writhing, <laughs> bloody women. Right, right. And he's got Kirsty right? She gives him, like, the kiss to get away. Ah, she lights him on fire. He's Frank again. Julia walks in, and he's like, come to me. You're mine. And you watch her approach, and you're like, oh, no, she's not. She's fucking different. And watching that condensed version of their story from part one play out again, but knowing that she is now the fucking predator, she is the monster in charge, essentially, is fucking awesome. Like when she rips his heart out and she's just like, it's nothing personal. Yeah. The same awesome. thing he said when he killed her. Yeah. I was like, that's doing so much fucking work. We see Julia going to this hell realm and beginning to embrace that Julia might have that extra thre- thing that Frank didn't have. They could make her a Cenobite. Another one of these eternal fucking, you know, flesh peddlers. Right. right? Well, I think, I think that works really well. Right. I mean, I think what's interesting about like this is because this is something I've thought about, too, is like, why isn't Dr. Dingus dickhead just falling in line? Like, why is why he, does he jump to the front of the line ahead of right. Julia? Well, and that's something I thought about, too, is like because I, my thing was, why is this why is this man turned into something where he's like he comes out of this transformation process? He's like, I had no idea. Like, I've I've seen the things I've asked to see. Yeah. Why so, did I ever hesitate? Why did yeah. I hesitate? So here's my thing. Why do you need like the seeking power is like such a human trait. Like we all spend our time trying whatever power you're trying to seek in life. We're all spending our a futile amount of time looking for it mm-hmm. for him to become this otherworldly being to like experience that process and to experience this thing that he was like, why did I hesitate? It's such a weird and yeah, like it just doesn't. That's the thing that didn't work for me. Is like this why, yeah, you get some cool visual gags out of it, but the ending really doesn't work be, for me because he's so human still. Like in such a way that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I a fight, nice, right? It's like, like what? Again, you're just like you're basically at the point where you're like, well, we got in this movie somewhere, and like, well, the ending was literally back there. Like you guys could have just ended it there. I would have been fine. Yeah, like, Leviathan is like. You've been, like, the fucking big dick in charge for, like, ten minutes, and you blew it and rips his head off. Yeah. And that's the end of the character. It's weird. Like, now he's got no Dwight Schrute, right? Right. Like, what? what's he do? I. This is the thing. I think what they did was they opened up this big fucking realm of possibilities, right? This, oh, uh, nice. you know, the god of flesh, the god of torture, whatever, right? Leviathan, the head of the labyrinth. Awesome. Right. It reminds us like of Kennard's thing. Right. We're all explorers because we can never fucking figure it out our way out of the labyrinth. Right. right the human right. mind uh, made fucking physical in this labyrinth. They're like, awesome. Right. Yeah, our totally. mind is also a labyrinth. And at the inside of our mind is the only thing that is real is pain and pleasure. Right. Whatever. Right. I think that fucking works, man. That that works beautifully. Yeah. I think what they did, though is they just added these little extra fucking things everywhere that just really make it muddled. So yep. by the end, you're like, this is a little baffling. The movie's good enough. I think you're just like, yep. all right, whatever. It's a fucking, you know, nipple scraping demon movie. Like, I'm not really going to, like, take it to the woodshed right. over logic breaches. But I do think it's like they, they were just, well, I think you know what I mean? It's I subtraction think you said by it, addition. Well, I think, yeah, I think you said it best, like, the reason Hellraiser works in the beginning is it's a very simple idea. It's a very mm-hmm. simple concept. It's about desire and ultimate desire and desire we can't even unknow the unknowable mm-hmm. things about desire and about pain, about pleasure. Mm-hmm. I think by doing this, it's weird. Like 
entering the puzzle box realm was cool, but it almost cool. loved it. Yeah, like it's awesome. It and was yet, weird though. There's even a scene where you're like, so someone's hell is just having a threesome in a hot tub. Yeah, you're like, that's awful question mark you just keep humping but you can't get anything right I, so like, all right but i mean like <laughs> doesn't seem that bad <laughs> i think what you said though addition by subtraction like keeping this kind of thing simple because this gets complicated very quickly i think yeah. anything involving like you know as we'll see <laughs> as we'll see with wishmaster anything involving trinkets rules by which yeah. things um, accomplish existing on our plane mm-hmm. uh in this dimension um, those kinds of things are, I wouldn't want to put it this way, but I don't know how to say it, are like plot holes waiting to happen. And plot holes are fine. I don't give a shit about that kind of stuff. This is the thing. You enter a hell realm that is the literal labyrinth with a giant, whatever the fuck that is in the middle. Right. Just say your tiny mortal mind can't comprehend what's happening here. That's it. And keep it simple. Julia's coming back. She's running up the ladder. Penhead's still there at the top doing his fucking thing. Right. Kirsty and the puzzle girl are trying to fucking find their way out. Keep it fucking simple. Yeah. I think that's, that's exact, all it is. That's all it you is. Can, you can add all these big questions where they, when the movie's over, we're like, holy shit, what's in Labyrinth? Are there more Cenobites? Yeah. Does everyone have their own hell room? Ah, we don't know. But by the end, I'm just left like, oh. Yeah. The God couldn't even be like, hey, man, uh, nope. Like, I think dude. I think that's exactly what it is. Like to me, it's the god turns into the puzzle box, the door closes, and he was defeated. Yeah, pretty easily it feels like. <laughs> I mean, to me, it's like yeah, it's just sort of one of those things where I, by the time Julia gets Julia's mannequin gets sucked back into the Leviathan, like mannequin is too kind, literal twenty dollar <laughs> blow up doll with I, no hands or feet. Like by the time that, <laughs> by the time that happens. All my questions and curiosity about the movie are kind of answered. Yeah. I don't need anything past that. Like, you just say, oh, yeah, well, the puzzle box is still there. Like, all right, well, there's going to be another one, and I'm sure someone will be dumb and open it again. Great. Cool. End of story. Yeah. I, I think that's the ultimate takeaway, right? It's, it's, it's this fucking wonderful movie, right? You're just loving the ride. It's so human and visceral and yeah. dirty and vile. It's all the things you want, right? Julia just skin ripping off left and right to expose the evil core of all of us, right? Right. Fucking love it. Love going into the hell dimension. Love seeing fucking Frank again and Julia getting him, right? Loving everything. And you're like, wait, is that a dick attached to his face? Like, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> wait, Pinhead's got a fucking, like, Pinhead's balding? Yeah. And gets one shot? What the fuck? And then you're just kind of like, it, it falls apart quickly at the end. I feel like it unravels this fucking wonderful taut story we've been in. Um, I will say, though, the teaser at the end is fucking awesome. Yeah, I like that. I love that extra tag because that's when you're like, fuck, yeah. I'm still like, as you're kind of muddling through whatever the fuck the mythology is now, mm-hmm. they bring it back to basics. Here's just a guy who gets fucking grabbed into the bed. His friend comes in and he's like half in and a half out of the mattress. Awesome fucking awesome. shot. Awesome. And this giant fucking obelisk or whatever, right? Monolith comes up with like Pinhead's face and a fucking $2 plastic skeleton humping another $2 plastic skeleton. The baby doll's back. And then at the end, you just see the, the fucking homeless guy, the Hell Guardian or whatever, covered in crickets. What is your pleasure? Right. And you're like, yeah, dude, it's never over, right? This is what Kirsty and fucking Kyle and everyone should have oh, shit, it's happening. I'm going to move. Yeah. I'm going to move, right? There's always going to be some guy going a little too far, right? Um, And move. And so I love that fucking final tag, though. Same. It's um, cool. And again, this movie crushes what it needs to crush, right? This movie gets way more right than it gets wrong. And it's funny because so many friends, I was telling you this when we started, so many of my friends think this is the pinnacle of the Hellraiser franchise. This is the best movie. Interesting. And okay. to me, it's just like, that that fucking doctor is so I have so much hatred for that. I just can't get there with them. But I do think it's among the best horror movie sequels of all time. Yeah, I mean it's So start ranking them, right? Do you think it's better than Nightmare on Elm Street 2? No. Friday the 13th 2. Yes. Halloween 2. Yes. Okay, though you know Child's Play 2, yes. Yes. <laughs> 
So you're like, what are the, like, Scream 2? Yes. Right? Like, what are the really big horror movie friends? Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2? Yes. Yeah. Like, it's right up there, man. Yeah, and I it's think up there. For me, it's like, I might even like this better than Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Like, this might be my yeah, favorite. Yeah, I don't know. Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is pretty I much. I love Nightmare 2 also. No, I think Nightmare that's 2 really is pretty one. much one of the all-time greatest sequels of anything. Yeah, but that's what I mean. This movie stands toe-to-toe with pretty much every other horror movie franchise's sequel. Yeah. And... I think it's fucking wonderful, man. And I'm telling you, I don't even think it's close. I think it's a landslide if they don't do Dr. Dickface and just unleash Julia. Agreed. Um, Agreed. But again, wonderful fucking movie. I'm so glad we're doing Hellraiser because I'm actually finding as we're going through, I've watched a bunch of them now ahead of recording. Um, I love this franchise, man. Like It takes a lot of shit for like, I think most of the movies are pretty fucking rock solid at their core. Um, but this one is fucking wonderful. That's it for Hellbound Hellraiser 2. I hope you guys had as much fun with it as we did. If you fucking disagree with me, if you like Dr. Dickface PhD, argue with us on social media, right? We're wherever you are. Share the show. Fucking, you know, argue with me on there. Email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Please join our Patreon, especially this month, right? The 31 days, 31 pod month. Um, that is how you get the complete set of movies every day this month. If you want all of them, Patreon is where you will find those in our Patreon exclusive library, which is full of awesome stuff you'll like anyways. Um, any support you guys can, we appreciate it so much. So thank you for those of you who do. Thanks again for those who are about to. Um, you guys know the deal, man. This is a big one. Uh, something free and easy you can do. Leave ratings and reviews wherever you find the pod. That also makes us really happy whenever we see kind words coming in. Uh, so, guys, this is it. This was the first day. We have teetered over the edge and have fallen into the infinite abyss of the horror genre. So you guys know what it is. We got 30 more days of this. I hope you're as excited as we are. For the film Alchemist, I'm Josh Rigby. I am Alex Dandino. We'll see you tomorrow. 